they warned us. A cast where we talk about films, their motifs, cultural impact, and to what degree these movies represent our values and identities as people of color. Given our new Trumpocalypse alternate reality, we're going to look at how these films reflect today's truths and possibly tomorrow's nightmares from the POC perspective. Thanks so much for joining us. Rafael here with my main man and co-host, Laron. Super excited to be here with your ears. Welcome everyone once again. This is Rafael Reyes. I hope you enjoyed our last podcast where we spoke about um, Charleston Heston's Planet of the Apes as the first of our dystopian uh, film critiques. Uh, this week, we're going to the second film that we want to discuss. I call this the uh, the second of the Heston trifectas, where we have Planet of the Apes, which we spoke about in our first podcast. This week, we're going to be speaking about Omega Man. And Lamont, what's the third film? The third film is, of course, the cult classic, Soylent Green. Soylent Green. I can't wait to get to that one. The, the Heston trifecta for real. Yes, and, and I think we can both agree that it's you know, the beginning of dystopian films, at least in the 70s, that really are uh, discussing current events in that, in that frame. Yeah, they were relevant, and um, they were really the beginning of, of you know, the eventuation of things like Hunger Games. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, and it'll be fun to cover uh, how it's grown, how it's ebbed. It's a roller coaster ride. Yes. But uh, Heston definitely kicked it off in a way um, that our generation really connected with. You know, we, we, Generation X were the ones that made these films called classics. We remember seeing them on TV. As kids. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Planet like, of the Apes Planet, is, is a classic. Everyone everyone's know, Everyone knows Planet of the Apes. Everyone knows, you know, Soylent Green is people! Yes. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it'll, it'll be fun uh, as we as we move on. Why do you ruin the films uh, before well, hey, we man, talk about it? I'm going to be the... Hey, <laughs> just so everybody know, I'm quite often going to be the dude that says shit you don't want to hear... But you know it's going to be true, so get ready. <laughs> well, um, so then today we're going to be talking about um, Omega Man. Wonderful film. Uh, One of my favorites. Yes, yes. That's, if we were to go through it scene by scene, there's so, there's so much rich um, parts that, that the, the director and producer were, were just going through, and I'm excited to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But before we even go into that, why don't you talk about the stats of the film? Yeah, by the stats, you know, we mean like, you know, let's let's talk about the numbers. Like, what what kind of what kind of real cultural impact did this movie have? So, um, it was released in 1971 by Warner Brothers. So immediately, you know, I think about the beginning of the Matrix. You know, the whole WB, the green screen comes on. You know, so Warner Brothers has, has been into this for a while. Um, it grossed. I don't. I can't. I couldn't find how much the movie. Uh, cost to be made, but it grossed about 8.7 million back in 1971. So, in today's numbers, that would be about 53.3 mil. That's that's kind of modest, you know, when it really comes down to it. 
I mean, even the Purge films have made more than that. Mm. You know what I mean? So when it comes down to it, at that time, in 1971, it really actually didn't have a lot of impact. However, as we you know talk more about you know this movie, we'll see that it definitely had a relevance to what was going on. So um, just to put a little uh, things into a little bit of context, um, it was the 25th highest grossing movie of that year. Um, other movies that did better than that were uh, Fiddler on the Roof, The French Connection, mm-hmm. um, which was a great, great action film. James Bond, Clockwork Orange. See, that's, that's another great film. Came out that year. Yes. You know what I mean? That's interesting. Um, uh, a couple of black exploitation pieces, Shaft, um, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, um, that came out. Dirty Harry, a sequel to Planet of the Apes came out that uh, year, Escape. Um, so all of those made more money than Omega Man, um, and and when it comes down to it, Ralph, and you 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 tell me if I'm wrong here, production wise, this movie fucking sucked. I mean, it was horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? There were so many bad things about it, but there were also so many great things about it that I think stuck out. You know, for our generation. What do you what do you think about that? Mm. Well, yeah, I, I guess you're right. I mean, you know, makeup. Was was horrid, you know. It they would ketchup be, looking blood. Yes. It wasn't even it wasn't even ketchup. It was like buffalo wing sauce. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even blood. You know what I mean? I, I would have to agree with that. And yet, I mean, they were just doing that for effect to get a point across. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. In terms of production, it it did suck royally. Yeah, and it clearly, like I said, I I couldn't find a budget for this movie. Uh, so you know, if it made eight point seven, that means it it probably had. You know, somewhere around a mill. You know what I mean? Not, not, not a lot of money poured into it. And um, as we go into the late seventies with Rollerball and with uh, Death Race two thousand, I'm gonna argue how um, the, the 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 value pumped into these movies coincided with the devaluing of uh, uh, cultural inclusion. I guess you know, I'll, I'll put it like that. So I just wanted to give a little bit more um, context behind, um, you know, besides the stats of the movie, you know, how it did, the cultural impact and all that. Uh, I want to talk about, like, what was actually going on, you know, at that time, you know, socially and politically. And um, so 19, so 1971, I mean, we're talking about the, you know, the beginnings of, of what we would consider today to be the modern environmental movement. And um, it's not like a singular kind of thing. I mean, you know, but I mean, it basically started with things that were actually going on in the world, like real concerns and fears that was was socially common. Um, so, for example, um, you had the hydrogen bomb testing on a Bikini Atoll at that time, oil spills off the coast of, Cal- of, of California. Um, which, you know, again, moving forward since then in our lifetime, we've seen, you know, many huge oil spills. Um, but the one thing that really sticks out to me is is um, the pollution of the Great Lakes that, that really became like a rallying point for, hey, we have to actually care about the shit that we're putting into our waters and into our land and earth. Yes. Um, and so, um, for example, um, in Lake Erie... Um, there was debris that was so uh, prolific on the uh, Cuyahoga River 
that that shit caught fire. Mm. I mean, it caught. Can you imagine walking down to a river? You say, you're saying, damn, where's all that smoke coming from? And then you walk down to the river next to you, and that shit's on fire. <laughs> That's apocalyptic, man. You know what I mean? Like for real, you know. And so. Um, these are the kinds of things that were going on at that time that, um, you know, as usual, movie producers pick up on, you know, hey, you know, what, what do people care about? There is no phone ringing, damn it! The last man on Earth lives in a fortress. What day is it anyway? Monday? The hell it is. It's Sunday. Sunday, I always dress for dinner. Discovered check. How does that grab you, Caesar? The last man on Earth always carries an automatic weapon. The last man on Earth is hunting. Last man on Earth is not alone. So, um, how do you want to attack this, man? You want to, you want to do it the same way, like we did in the last podcast? You know, the, the yeah, the three biggie questions. The three, the three basic um, questions that we that we are looking at in every okay. film. What are the movie's themes? Mm-hmm. How do we? How do we as people of color do in this future? Mm-hmm. Which is always our... our Dubious. Demand. Yes. <laughs> That's right. At least for the next 20 years of uh, films we're going to survey here. And what is the movie's prophetic value? I think that's what we agreed upon as three important questions that we can revolve around. How, how can we relate to this movie today? Like, Did this movie actually call out things that are happening now or at least in the ballpark of happening? Yes. Okay. Definitely. That's that. That would be that third question, that prophetic value. All right. Um, so why don't you? Why don't you at least give the first question a try? All right. All right. Um, I'll, I'll throw some softballs up here. Um, let's see what happens here. So um, three things that definitely stuck out to me about Omega Man. Um, the first was um, religious extremism, and um, we'll go into that when we talk about. Um, the main antagonist, um, you know, uh, the character named Matthias, and how he had this kind of like, uh, it's weird how they do race in this movie. I, th- I think it's actually brilliant. Um, you know, the, the whole the whole cult of Matthias against the wheel, against Charlton Heston and his, you know, world-damaging ways. Um, that whole cult, they're all white, but you can also tell that there was un- ethnicity under that white. And so the the second in command to Matthias, you know, he he was played by a black man. Um, I forget his name right now. Uh, he's the guy that plays the the, the priest in Soylent Green. Yes. Basically. Um, so I love how they can you know continued that vein. Um, but yeah, so it's like the family. Everybody calls each other brother, but at the same time, it's like this twisted kind of conformity. And I think um, that ties into the second theme, um, which is is basically it was a very it was a movie that was very anti nonconformity. So um, when the sister comes in, uh, played by Rosalind Cash, um, 
you know, she comes in full black power. You know what I mean? And she's and she's unabashed about it, and he's accepting of it. Um, at the same time that he's kind of accepting of, hey, you know what? I can see how I could be, you know, the man to her. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's an interesting con- contrast there. But the third theme that I think I really want you to um, run away with is that theme of uh, scientific progress versus environmental disaster. Um, so you know, I mean, we have these mutants that end up that way because of, of man-made um, chemicals, you know, biochemical warfare, basically, is what they were going for. Nuclear, uh, we have... Did you ever actually get, like, why the world was the way it was? I don't know if I ever actually remember hearing a specific reason why you had mutants and why everybody was dead. Yeah, um... I guess this is where I segue in. <laughs> yeah, do it, man. I feel like I just talk way too much right there. So, so I think one of the questions that the film was introducing is, what happens if we end up jumping into a nuclear disaster? Okay. And um, the reason why I say that is because uh, Mathai, the main, the, one of the characters, Matthias, who leads that religious extremist group, mm-hmm. is a news reporter. Yes. Beginning. And he's interesting. Yeah. And he's actually talking about the difficult relations that are happening across the world, Russia against the United States, against mm-hmm. China. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna jump into this third Do question. It, man. I think it's you're, you're I think it's somewhere. highly prophetic in that in that in that vein in mm-hmm. which he dictated three superpowers mm-hmm. that are superpowers today. Right. Um, China, Russia, and the United ain't States. That, ain't that some shit, huh? And so that's the, um, the, 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 I think the impetus to this nuclear war that's, that's happening, number one. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, it leads to chemical warfare. Right. So you have this nuclear warfare, chemical warfare, um, technological advancements leading to this airborne virus. Right. Which, does, which has two effects. Number one... Mm-hmm. It kills people. Yeah. But then the other effect is it creates sort of like a zombification of groups. Right. I say a, I say zombification. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good word actually. That's coupled with this religious with this religious fundamentalism or extremism. Right. right. And it's horribly think, played out. I mean, remember that scene where they're on the corner in LA? Yes. And they, yes. they pull like, you know, five or six bystanders off the street to say, hey, you want to be in a movie? Yes. And All you got to do is... is so uh, badly done. <laughs> and everybody's just like just at, it's, it's just With this so really bad. close up shots yeah, right because yeah. you can't they don't have that many people they, to work they can't, with yeah they have to do a close up on it you know but anyway yeah I mean like even though it's it's poorly executed uh, production wise but it, it, it does definitely um, feed into exactly what you were talking about this, this culmination of everything coming together yeah. that creates this um, this 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 mass this mass um death scene you know played out on a corner in LA yeah but um so um when you talk about Matthias um you know I I wrote here in my notes like all scenes with him um were interesting because he he reminds me of the Merovingian in Matrix speaking of Matrix because he's he's out of he's batshit out of his mind but he does speak to truth you know what I mean and um one of the things that actually stuck out to me was um this 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 line here, um, when uh, he catches Heston for the first time, 
and he gives his definition of a scientist. Definition of a scientist. A man who understood nothing until there was nothing left to understand. A man who understands nothing until there was nothing to understand. You know what I mean, and I think I mean that that's a, that's a profound line. That's a that's a prophetic line, at, at least to me. Like like when you hear that, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, it's a critique of the scientific method yes. of saying we don't know nothing until we um, can test it out mm-hmm. and make sense of it. But even with that, guess what? We still don't know, right? Right. Uh, and so there, here we have this. Sort of like reduction to the to the mm-hmm. most minute parts. Yes. In trying to find the, this pursuit of what is the ultimate, mm-hmm. the ultimate is nothing. Who? Oh my God! Okay, look, you you just went boom <laughs> <laughs> to me and to entire into our entire audience. So break that down. I think when 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 you, I think this the scientist mode of reduction. Okay going down to the physical attributes of an atom, or even we go down to quarks, right? And not right. to get too geeky, but right. going down to these basic spaces, yeah. it doesn't provide no meaning. It doesn't provide any meaning. It doesn't provide anything but these are the things that are. And so in some sense, that's mm-hmm. almost nothing. That means we are purely cause and effect beings. But that's not the case, isn't it? That's not the case. We... We're more than just cause and effect. We can mm-hmm. choose some certain things. Okay. Um, we can make choices. Um, we can try to make sense of things. So there's more to it mm-hmm. than the scientist's um, reduction of all things to physical components. And I think that's the nothing, right? There's nothing left. There's, once you get down to that, there really is nothing else. Is Matthias saying that or is he not understanding that? Elaborate, break that down. What do you mean? So, like, so tie everything you just said into Matthias's critique of science. Is he right or is he extreme? I, w- I would argue that he's extreme. Okay. I don't think he's right. Okay. Um, but then I'm not here to to go full out and say science is completely right as well. Right. Of course. I think the, um, their pursuit is noble. I think um, we want to know how things work. Right. And we want to fix things, like like the character Heston does in, in, in this movie. He wants to, He's looking to find that cure. Correct. Um, but I think there's another component, uh, is, and that's to say, hey, science and technology, as much as we advance, really can't fix certain things. Okay. And that there needs to be some ethical values that are in place that brings us a cautionary tale okay so we'll get more into that when we talk about the uh the prophetic value of the movie yes in, yeah. in question number three that I, I love what you just said there um hold that thought um so um all right so we talked about uh, religious extremism we talked about um the humanistic essence so you know w- one of the things i really loved about this movie is the is the, the the way that it it, it, it unabashedly takes on race. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like it like race is front and center without it being preached. You know what I mean? So um, 
I'm thinking about this line here um, when uh, Charlton Heston gets caught for that first time. They take him to the Coliseum. They're about to burn him. And then, uh, you know, the funky, groovy, you know, white dude that, that Rosalind Cash is with. Yeah, Dutch. Yeah, Dutch. Yeah, he comes in and he, he causes a distraction. And then she comes in and, and saves him. And then she says here. And if you just have to play James Bond, I'll bust your ass. You know what I mean? So so she, she's doing several things there. And the artists behind her who are writing, or maybe they let her fly with that. Who knows? But either way, it turns out brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're letting her fly with critique of James Bond. You know what I mean? Like the white guy who, who gets to go around the world and, and, and uh, you know, cause all the havoc and get to be hero. But, like, you know, she's sister from the hood. She ain't having all that. You know, I, I would I would go I would go one step further. Do it. I think she's she's critiquing the autonomous white male, who mm-hmm. is this encultured person, and she's mm-hmm. saying if you think you're the only cultured person mm-hmm. who's going to save yeah. the superhero, right? James Bond is a British intelligence spy mm-hmm. who has all the gadgets, yeah. highly cultured, yeah. dressed for success. Yeah, and she goes, if you think you're that, let me tell you something. There is more. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think and, and I think that's um, what she's attacking, right? Right. And in the most simplistic way, it un it unpacks all of that. Yeah. Because we see in the beginning of the film, um, Charleston Heston, Doctor Robert. Yeah. Um, Neville. Dr. Robert Neville. Here he is in a penthouse suite, mm-hmm. right? Top floor. Oh yeah, man of leisure. Man of leisure. He's um he's considers himself a narcissist because he turns on the security cameras but the main camera is pointed at himself. Yes. Um, here he is playing chess mm-hmm. with a Napoleon. Caesar. With, oh, Caesar. Right, it was Caesar yeah. um, with the army hat, yeah. captain yeah. hat. Yeah. Um, and he's eating rich delicacies. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, my boy's popping out like three or four sausages. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And he's having it yeah. for dinner and he dresses up for it. Yes. So here, here they, they lay out um, mm. the cultured man, mm. the wealthy, autonomous man, right. scientist. Right. And right? soldier. And soldier. Strategist. The perfect guy. He's, yeah. he's, he is like the American Bond, basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And she just critiques it in one yeah. line. Oh, in one line. I'll bust your ass if you try to come up here and all that. Yes. Um, so I, I think the movie, it, it clearly made an attempt to um, address non-white representation at that time. And this is coming on the heels of, uh, you know, the first interracial kiss with uh, Kirk and Uhuru on, on uh-huh. TV. Uh-huh. You know, you know Uhura. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was like three years after that. So, I mean, even Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, uh, Sidney Poitier movie, mm-hmm. I think it was like late, I, I forget what year, it was the late 60s. Even they didn't kiss in that movie, you know yes. what I mean? And so in this movie, not only do they... Not only is he vulnerable in saying, hey, baby, it's been a while. I don't know how this is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. she's cool with it. You know what I mean? He's allowed to be like, hey, I'm not like uber man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She's allowed to be naked and beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, which, a black which, woman. A black woman in 1971. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and made to be desirable. This movie was great. 
I, I think. I, that's, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, I maybe I connected with that as a kid. I don't know. I doubt it. But right now, it's just one of those things that just makes me go, yes, this movie was intentionally progressive, um, not only in that non-white representation, powerful female black figure, um, but also um, just in the sense of, of society, his society is not redeemed. Mm-hmm. Charlton Heston's, like the, the, the cultured man, is not redeemed. It may carry on later, but he dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I, and I would argue, I'll say two things to that. I, says, I think part of the question is when you have a nuclear disaster and you need to rebuild society, mm-hmm. or if the question of um, to prevent nuclear disaster, to prevent all these things. Yeah. It is a dying of either or. Either religious extremism. Yeah. Or this t- this mode of scientific progress sans ethics. That everything okay. is reduced to nothing. Right. And and I think that, that you have both of them, meaning they have to die away. One is he um yeah, that the cultured man and thinking that they're high above and that this is the resolution, this is how yeah. we resolve things, yeah. needs to go away. But um, religious extremism also has its own death because they are sick and they are ill. Yeah, and they and they just don't want to even acknowledge that. And they don't want to even acknowledge they, they show like They showed the scene in the movie where Neville found one of them. He was just Correct. killed over. They all eventually he die. He knows they're all going to eventually die. So, um, again, the movie was doing something brilliant there. You know yeah. what I mean? It was, it was getting rid of extremism. Mm-hmm to a certain degree and leaving this kind of uncertain but uh, hopeful future. If, so, I can, well, okay. if I can add one more do piece. It, do it, do it. You also see a reversal of of a male figure caring for children. Yes. So you have Lisa yes. is the one right. that's going out and doing all these right. things, particularly right. to save her brother, right? Yes, um, correct. Um, oh, we need to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, Richie, yeah. her brother. But um, then you have Dutch. Yes, who was uh, a physician? He was a medical. Yeah. And he was planning on going to the military and has this sort of experience. He was going to become Neville. Yes. And he's the one who cares for the children. Yes. He's the one that watches over them. Right. He, he carries them wherever he goes. Right. So this, this movie flips it, man. The they movie flip flips it in every single level yes. and layer. And, and I think that's what's happening there is you have this, this mode of, hey, if, 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 Society is going to live on. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not only a, a reversal, but we just got to rethink the roles of masculinity, femininity, um, and this, this, you know, this new generation of people. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I love it. It's brilliant. I love, I love how you broke that down. I just got two more little quick go things to, to go in terms of how we do, and, oh. when I, and when and when it comes to how we do, I mean like what they do toward the end of the movie with like the I mean you know coming from my black perspective this yes. is what came out in my head so number one Ricky like what the hell Richie, like, yeah. what, like Richie what was the movie trying to communicate with, with that that whole scenario of him being like yay we're all gonna be happy and we're gonna be cool and you know what I mean and, and like that I won't I won't spoil that one uh, for nobody who hasn't seen it number two uh, the, the the number two lead guy behind Matthias, you know, the family, the, uh, the the man who's who's white but clearly black, he gets it the worst out of everybody who dies in that Zachary. movie. Zachary. Zachary. 
he he uh, you know he falls off that ledge and gets impaled horribly mm-hmm. with all the buffalo sauce looking ketchup that they do, you know. And then number three, you know what they eventually end up doing with Lisa. So th- those are the three things that I mean they don't bother me necessarily, but if I had to pick some bones, it's like okay, so what like what was the movie communicating with 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 those? In terms of like what what you think. Oh, so I'm gonna play with something that um, two authors that I've read do: Jacques Derrida, Jacques Derrida, yeah, and um, Richard Kearney okay. of Continental Thinkers. Okay. I would say Richie is the messianic. Why are you here? I came to help you. You know the man. Neville. That's him, yeah. Listen, he's got a serum for what's wrong with you. And if you could just talk to him, get with him, then everybody could be. Yes, everybody could be what? Everyone. Well, everybody could be normal again. I see. You mean we could be as we were before? Yeah, I guess so. The way we were. The way we were. And that's what Neville thinks we want. Is that why he sent you? He didn't send me. He... Silence! Okay. He is the one that's bringing a message to them, and yet the group cannot um, see it Okay. because they think that they're in the right. So mm-hmm. um, what Derrida does... Mm-hmm. In his pieces that he goes, you look for Messiah, what you get is the Messianic. Uh-oh. And Break that you, down. You, you're looking, you look, you're looking for a figure. Yes. And what you get is? The parts that, um, that the figure is trying to speak about, right? What, so, the, so you do it and carry it on. Yeah. So it's like, I have, there, there, here, is a, here is hope. Yeah. I'm not looking for hope. I'm looking for the figure that's gonna bring it right. So, they, so uh, sort of like they're looking for something that okay. they have yeah. prefigured, right? I feel you. Yes. And and he goes, this, but that's not it. You're not supposed to make this group. This this the group of the family is not it. It's you, right? It's you, and so you can make a change. You can make the choice, but they can't see that. Mm. And so I think Richie is this sort of like this idea of this hope that they can't they don't they no longer see because all they can see mm-hmm. is this sort of myop, myopic understanding of of what their call is right. to be a united family to to do away with technology mm-hmm. to do away with the sciences mm-hmm. which i think is wrong right right um I, I i think we need to be cautious but it's not wrong right um, so I think for Richie, that's what that is. Okay, all right. What do you think about that? No, I, I feel you. Thank you. That actually, that actually kind of um, saves it for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I, because I'm cause baffled. I, I was baffled with Richie for a long time. Yeah, because I, I can go uh, very heavily into cynicism in that, um, you know, again, coming from a male black perspective, you know, black men don't like aren't aren't in this future, and if they are, they are white and impaled. Mm-hmm. So go into that one. Oh man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one, and and you know, I, I can't I can't even think as to how to how to re- respond. Yeah, to that. neither neither can I, and and like we probably don't even have the time now because we don't we want we want to address this last question. But like I was sincerely baffled. Okay, so this is one of the things 
that's like okay production wise writing wise oh shit we're running out of money <laughs> we need to end this movie wise what happens with Lisa at the end like all of a sudden like she okay I get that it's it's airborne she can turn mm-hmm. I, I get that but like why would she so quickly go into like the mutant mindset like she wasn't in the family before she doesn't as far as we know, she knows nothing about them. Yes. Why would she all of a sudden be like, oh, Matthias, come on. You know, that was the difficulty for me as well. That was such a weird turn. And the only thing I can describe is they had to get Neville um, to, 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 to act mm. in a way that is not like himself. Love. Love. Uh, and so they put her in a state where she can't help herself. Right. Which I think was a uh, that's mistake. The, yeah, there. I mean, that's some typical 70s yes. men, men writing roles for women shit. Yeah. You know? And then he comes in, he comes in rolling with, with all the guns, right, yeah. all bells whistles. He yeah. comes in with his with his Jeep, fully fully armed, full yeah. army, army gear. Yeah. Um, the captain, right? Yeah. He, he took off his doctor uniform and put on his captain yeah. role. No more, no more science saving. Now military yeah. destroying motherfucker. Exactly, like, there's no choice when it comes yeah. to love. You do all this, yeah. and here he is shooting with his, he's throwing grenades, machine yeah. guns, yeah. and everything for that matter. And so, I, 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 that's the only thing I can think about. Okay. Well, and yet, I may if, if I would say keep something. Keep going, yeah. And maybe this wasn't intentional in the film, but I think it does have an after effect. And 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 this is probably part of my own past. I think when 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 you are uh, progressing or starting over, yeah. it's important that we have a history okay. that we can tell stories. Okay, keep and, going. And so I I, w- I would I would suggest mm-hmm. she, she sort of becomes like this, you know, the spiritual godmother. You know, she's gonna and, be the oracle, basically. Mm-hmm. Exactly. She's the oracle. Number one, because she's gone through it. Right. And she's been healed from it. Yes. And then she becomes the mother of these children. Right. Okay. All right. Hey. And so I, I, I asked you. You're making me love this movie even more now. <laughs> so like that's all you're doing right now. Yeah. But I think that's that's the way I save okay. the film yeah. and I can I see it. it moving. Right. Because they leave the ending open. Yes. And very do. hopeful. Yes, they do. When when you go to it. And you sort of need that. Yeah. You sort of need the storyteller. Yes. That's gonna. That's going to weave this, um, this story of hope yes. out of despair. Of right? a lot of the movies that we cover, this one we you know we had that prophetic prophetic value question mm-hmm. you know and like this movie not not only provides prophetic value but like something that I spoke to in the last podcast it provides hope. Yes. It doesn't just leave you like hit over the head like a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. And that hope is not found in um, military strength. Or religious extremism. Or religious or extremism. It's, it's in each other, really, yes. when it comes down to it. Yes. As a human family. Yes, and a human spirituality. I, I, don't, I don't want to knock out religion altogether. No, of course. Oh, hey, look, we're theological uh, scholars. Yes. We're not doing that. And yet, nevertheless, it does break away from any mode of family uniting which then creates some form of uh separation right, right. me and the other mm-hmm. and that other is the enemy right so um in that sense yeah 
I think that the human family is diverse. Mm -hmm. The human family um, are distinct and, and they grow in different ways. Right. All right. I love it. Um, so, um, you know, we've kind of answered the, this, this final, you know, uh, mm -hmm. prophetic value question. We kind of weaved it throughout. But in terms of how it speaks to now specifically, like what come what comes to your mind about how this like like can this can you know we talk about this movie we want to encourage people to see it you know like is it is it relevant for us now? Ah, dude, uh, go uh, yes, I, I would say yes. I think number one, we're still dealing with the fear of chemical warfare, airborne yeah. viruses. Oh yeah. Um, I I think. Really prophetic are the three superpowers yes. that were Again, yeah. spoken then, mm -hmm. and that's really relevant now. Yeah. Um, when we say Trumpocalypse, huh, we mean it. Around, <laughs> yeah. man. Come on, man. Uh, so today is what no, November first. Yes. Yeah, and you know we're midterm elections, you know, coming up in, in a week, and yeah, we're getting um, you know people getting mail bombs and people uh, being killed in synagogues. Um, you know, Russia, Russians, uh, you know, interfering with our elections. With the, with the elections, China, China's doing their thing. I'm not making. I'm not trying to make them out to be evil. No, you know what I mean. But like, this, yeah, the, this movie was for real. I mean, it, it, it saw it coming. You know, and this is again 1971, like well over 40 years ago. Yes, yes. So I think in terms of that, it has great prophetic value. Um, and and. I think another prophetic value is mm -hmm. that we're still seeing this ideology that um, the autonomous man and the cultured man is a very warfare-like person. Yeah, man. Um, that yeah. war is the response. Well, right? vi you know, violence. Uh, violence, and, and we're we're seeing that. I mean, we're seeing that in our schools, man. I mean, if you were to take you know. just a clip of of um of the film the first minute oh yeah he's where he's chilling yeah you serene know, driving like with his beautiful sunset music. you know yeah. uh, top down yeah he's going to the seats i don't know it's, i don't know if it was san diego i, I don't know it where, looked like la to right, me. oh right right la yeah. and here he is he's taking a nice quiet drive and he stops pulls out his gun and starts shooting at the window right, because, because he, he sees saw a shadow mm -hmm. you know and then mean? he continues driving yeah yeah so the, the resolve crazy. is peace, 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 peace. Until, kill, I, kill, until kill, I'm kill. scared. Yeah. Until I'm scared. And the only yeah. way is to, to remove that yeah. quotient completely. Yeah. yeah. And then I can move on. And guess what? A lot of motherfuckers are scared out here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, it's real. Yeah. This, this, this movie um, really hit it. I think it was very um, radical for its time again in that... Um, one of the problems of, of, of uh, historical sci-fi mm -hmm. is that um, as dystopian as things get, or as to the edge, I guess we should say, as things get, the system is ultimately redeemed. You know what I mean? And um, this movie, like I would even go so far as to say this movie is slightly Afrofuturist uh, Afro in the sense that mm. Afrofuturism does not redeem current society it's it's looking at like that next phase so i'm not saying this movie goes that far but it certainly doesn't redeem heston um, no has nor nor um the mutation of what came from heston's cultured man world and mindset yes um i want to agree with that 
Definitely agree with that. So, final thoughts for this film. Um, Laurent, I, I don't know about you, but I think the person who had the least talk time, I, I guess, in the film, yeah. in terms of main characters, yes. is the one that is offering the most hope. Okay. of, Or maybe this idea of how we can use religion and science together okay and follow me here yeah so, i know i know where you're going <laughs> so we it's have, cool with me so we have dutch yeah um who in the beginning of the film he doesn't have much pl- talk time yeah you see him there he's very excited about the events he sees an atrocity um in the last scene um but with him what you get is um number one he's a scientist mm-hmm like Neville. Um, but number two, he sort of has a religious hope. Yeah, explain that, because I, 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 I didn't pull that from there, but help me I, see that. I think um, he was looking for a Garden of Eden. He says okay. we can start over like a Garden of Eden. Yeah. I think that's one of the pieces that is religious and, fair, and religious yeah. in his aspects. Yeah. He looks back to a time where things are new, where knowledge is new, mm-hmm. um, where things can start over. Okay. Um, but then on, on a second vein, he's very oriented towards the family and not for a pursuit of anything outside of that. Right. The care of children, right. the care of the planet, the care of the world. Yeah. Um, and so with that, he tries to do the least violence possible. As a matter of fact, he holds a gun but doesn't shoot it. Right. I remember him riding a bike and like causing distractions. That's 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 all. I, I don't remember him killing anybody. Exactly. You know what I mean? So his... He saved. Yes. Through a sacrifice of danger to himself. Yes. Yes. But but his pursuit, even, he, even his career change, he saw the results mm-hmm. of... Of, of you know the science where yeah. it was going yeah and he said nah it's not for me yeah so he had a, a metanoia right right a What's change that, okay. that, yeah. that this, this change mm-hmm. a 180 degree turn right and decided that that wasn't the way he wanted to go right even though he saw value in in, what, it. in, in it he just wanted to use that for good right and I think in that way it, it falls in this ethical space, this mm-hmm. moral space, mm-hmm. and therefore I would say a religious space. Okay. And I think um, that coupled with Lisa, mm-hmm. as sort of the, the mother who holds the narrative, the story, yeah. where were we? Yeah. Where can we go? Where? Let me tell you where I was, child. Yes. I was zombified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Know, and, and I've been is, there and I got yeah. out of it. Yeah. Um, and then he goes, yes, I saw it. And here's where we can go. Right. Uh, so you have this foster mother of becoming of this idea of what could be. Mm-hmm. And he can help with that progression. But then the ones who have the least, mm-hmm. the children, mm-hmm. is that, 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 that real end goal. Right. What happens with them. Right. And I, and I think that's prophetic because I don't think we've thought about that. I think the speed of technology nowadays... Mm-hmm. 
calls us to just think about ourselves in, our, in the present and yeah. not about the future. Mm. Um, and, and, and I think that this one is a, a cause for us to slow down. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's for real. Um, that's some profound shit, man. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you kicked that out. So, like, right when I wrote my notes, I, I, I said basically the same thing. Like, you know, like what I take out of this. Um, uh, the, the movie is communicating. I don't know if it's saying we need a new start, but I, but it's it's certainly saying a new start is at least inevitable if you choose it. You know, if if if, yes. if, if we can choose that, if we have that option, um, we should go the route exactly of what you're talking about. Um, it was a radical message for a radical time. I mean, 1971, it's still kind of like that 60s, 70s, um, you know, anti-Vietnam war protests, Black Panthers, um, you know, so much stuff going down. And uh, I mean, uh, the message basically is, hey, this system is either going to uh, kill you or uh, turn you into a pale religious freak. <laughs> you know what I mean, and like mm-hmm. there's this, so like the what's that what's that third way, you know? And I, I think uh, that you you address that third way, um, mm-hmm. beautifully. Yeah, well done, man. Well done. And I would say that's once again as we, we circle around, that's prophetic because consider today's climate change agenda. Yeah. And how we were trying to say, yeah, we really need this this alternative. Mm-hmm. We need uh, to restart. Yeah. Um, and I think what we're seeing now is because we haven't and we've decided that, A, the coal agenda is more important than making sure we have jobs, oh, wow. that um, we've seen an increase in, in temperature. Oh, um, there's extreme been, weather. Yeah, extreme oh, weather whole, changes. And um, I think we're getting to a point where we can't slow that down. Well, the science may unfortunately be backing you up on that one. Like the like the like the, the critical point may already be too late. Yeah. You know, so at that point it's just a matter of, well, how do we adapt? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the next that would be the question, wouldn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us uh, once again in this podcast where we spoke about um, the Omega Man, that nineteen seventy one film with Charleston Heston as the main uh, protagonist. The second of our uh, Heston trifecta. Yes. And join us next week when we talk about what's that film again? Soylent Green, man. Soylent Green. Another cult classic. If you haven't watched that film, maybe you might want to watch it beforehand and then join us in on this conversation. Until then, have a wonderful day and hope to um, have you come and join us again.